Can I introduce to you this morning, let's give him a warm City Church Leeds welcome, Mr. Martin Rowe. A.K.A. Jess Cordy's dad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, God's a good God, isn't he? Yeah, I tell you, he is. He's, he's really absolutely wonderfully fantastic. And when I heard you had a stage this morning, I thought, oh no, I don't like standing above people. I like to be on the same level. But then Jess told me I'm actually standing below everybody. So, because I'm, I'm down in the, in the footwell and you're above me. So I, I'm happy with that. I once... Um, I once took a funeral in a, a Methodist building, and I tell you, I was, I was up there looking down on everybody, and I was so frightened. Um, I just didn't, didn't like it at all, but hey, there you go. Um, I've got three, just to introduce myself to those who, who don't know me, I've got three wonderful daughters, okay, this is my firstborn, okay. When she popped out, all right, when she popped out, so I don't know how it happens, but it was like a fountain. Her head popped out all kind of bluish, but it went whoosh. I tell you, I thought, wow, this is child, but honest, just full of fluid, water, whatever. Just fountain straight over my heart. Whoa, you know? Um, but there you go. That's lovely, isn't it? So, and, and I cried because I realized how much it was going to cost me. Now. But no, no, no. 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 Um, Emily, oh yeah, Emily and Katie, I've got two other daughters, um, uh, one's at Liverpool Uni, well she's at home at the moment, and I had to remind her that at home you've still got to help around the house, do a few dishes and stuff like that, student, come back from student living, I think she, she's actually very good, she, she tidies up, but when she came home she thought, mum and dad's going to do it all, and I had to remind her that mum and dad don't do it all, you know. And then we've got a 13-year-old Katie who's mad on sport at the moment and uh, into athletics and can now long, probably long jump further than I can and uh, triple jump further than I can and uh, she's doing very well. But I'm proud of my children. They've all been involved in the, the salvation of others and, and things like this. And the thing that pleases me uh, the most is that they've, they've got the kingdom of God in their hearts. That really, that cheers my heart. And this morning, oh sorry, I've got a lovely wife as well, but she's not here. And if you don't say a thing, you two, all right? Um, she's not here, but I've got a beautiful wife. Who, but this year we'll have been married um, 25 years. Um, so I've got my hair colored for silver for that, uh, for that occasion, for the whole year. Am I breaking, do I need to stand back a bit? Am I in front of speakers? Uh, keep going, keep going. So yeah, as you can see, I've got my hair silvered uh, for this year, and uh, brilliant. There you go. Put it in the back pocket. Okay. Uh, I've got yeah. I coloured my hair especially for this year, and um, but um, I wondered what to get my wife this year. Uh, diamonds, since it's a diamond jubilee. Uh, something silver, because it's our silver anniversary, and she said uh, nothing would please her better. So now I think I'm in the doghouse because I got a nothing. <laughs> I, I tried. <laughs> I pinched that off the. By the way, I've pinched that off the internet. Jess was on Facebook. Who do I have to give credit to that joke? Uh, Barry Thacker. Um, are you here? Is Barry here? Oh, he's not here. But Barry. But Barry Thacker has put that on Facebook, and I always pinch my jokes from somewhere else, but, uh, and then to repeat them, and then they become your own. Um, this morning, I'm doing something for the first time that I've never done before, and I believe God would ask you, what's the, when's the last time you did something for the first time? I'm doing a, a Britney Spears impersonation, never done it before with one of these microphones. I won't start singing. Uh, Friday night, I did do a karaoke. I did a karaoke, honest, and I actually sang uh, Kylie Minogue. I just can't get you out of my head. And I, ah, uh, we're fantastic, fantastic. I don't know, dads, if you're like me, um, but when you're in the shower, you're, you're, your singing is perfect, right? When you get out, something happens, doesn't it? You know, and you're not so good anymore. But I want to encourage you. Um, 
to do something for the first time, no matter how old or how young you are, when's the last time you did something for the first time? So this morning is the last time I've done something for the first time. I'm looking like Britney Spears, okay? So how's that? Can't be bad. But God, this, this God of ours, he gives us life, doesn't he? Why does he give us life? He gives us life to be like him. Do you know, God is a life giver. That's who he is. And today, uh, Mark said, will you speak on relationship? I thought, man, that is wide and far, isn't it? I mean, I could speak on, on lots of things, you know, like how to mend relationships when they get broken. And I think, oh, no, I don't want to do that. But the Bible's clear on that, isn't it? You know, the Bible says, if you've been offended, as Mark said earlier, go and see the person. Yeah? And if you've done the offending, go and see the person. Bible's clear. Because why does God say that? Because he wants to make sure it's mended and not broken. What does it say in Matthew? It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons of God. How fantastic is that? The ultimate peacemaker was Jesus himself. Blessed are anybody who has peace in their heart. Peace, want to make peace, want to mend that which is broken. And ultimately, God wants us to mend what is broken, and that is bring the lost to Jesus. Yeah? That which is broken in our world, that, those that are downcast, those that are, that are hurting, those that are depressed, those, those who, who don't have a chance in life, what is it? God says, bring them back to me. Yeah? Don't, don't, don't push the children away. Yeah? Don't push those who, who, who don't have a chance away, but bring them to me. In fact, he told the disciples off, didn't he? Jesus is too important, too busy today. And he said, what on earth are you doing? Get them here. Get them into my presence. Bring them along. Okay? I'll bless them. And this is who I got. He is the ultimate peacemaker. Whatever's broken. We sang it this morning. I love it when the songs that we sing are up the very heart of God. Yeah. He is the ultimate. He mends what is broken. And if you have anything broken in your life, okay, come to God and he'll mend it. I read something the other day. It said, if it ain't fixed, you ain't used enough gaffer tape. <laughs> Which I kind of like. But the truth is, God's the gaffer. Yeah? God's the gaffer, isn't he? Yeah? Isn't he? Come on. Let's go. Come to God and he will fix whatever's broken. So as we bring Imogen to the Lord, he'll fix what is broken. Do you know that spoke to me because in Chesterfield a while back, we have something called a prayer chain and we're always getting text messages and everything. But there was a lady and I don't understand it fully, but she was having twins. But one of the twins was growing outside of... Um, wasn't growing properly in the womb outside of its own sack. I don't understand it fully. And this home group just prayed together that everything would be fine um, because the prognosis was that this other ch- one of the children was going to die. And when this woman went back for a scan, the doctors were amazed because both children were being fully formed inside the womb. And both children now being born successfully and are now happy children. And you think, what is it that our God can do? Do you know, he mends that which is broken. And so whatever you have that is broken, just bring it to God. He'll fix it, you know. Whether it's something that's not at rest, something that's not at peace, for that shalom, you know, nothing broken, nothing lacking. It's just everything complete. And that's what our God wants us to be like, just so complete. And I've not even started on my notes yet. <laughs> Do you know, because God, God is this life bringer. He wants you to be full of life. Now, my message, the title for my message this morning is Happy Father's Day. I thought, what am I going to call it? It's, it's Happy Father's Day. And the reason I called it like that, called it that, was because I actually thought, you know, we're all about what makes me happy. Yeah? I'm, I can tell you what makes me happy. Yeah. M- muesli. Okay. But that makes me happy. I love, I've, I've just recently com- been converted to muesli. I used to call it rabbit food. I used to hate the stuff. And then while we were skiing in, um, in Austria, somebody said, you want some muesli? And I thought, 
Go on then. So I tried some buns, some fruit, and I thought, rabbit food, rabbit food. But you know, I got slowly converted, and now I love it. And the best, I tell you what, the best, and I do believe this, but the best music eaten by Aldi, right? Luxury fruit and nut. And I tell you what, you get very little oats in it, but you get loads of fruit and nuts. But it's fantastic. Not over sugared, but wonderful. Yeah. But. I've kind of thought, what is it that pleases the Father? What is it that pleases God? Do you know, even as a Christian, I go to God, oh, help me out on this, God. Oh, God, what is it you can do for me, God? What have you got to give to me, God? Oh, God, I'm so thankful you've given me so much. And he has, hasn't he? Do you know, the things that God has given you, your salvation, eternal hope, okay, a purpose, in life, yeah, freedom from guilt, yeah, something to be thankful for. Now, I've got this is just a little aside because I can't help this. I just thought the other day, if you ever think you've got nothing to be thankful for, you have, right? Now, I'm going to explain why you have. We were in Plymouth and we were visiting my mum and my sister. And we were down on the Barbican, that's the waterfront area of Plymouth, one of the oldest areas of Plymouth. And uh, we'd all had a look around the little quaint shops, and we decided it was lunchtime, so we all bought different things. Some of us had pasties, but my mum wanted fish and chips, Ben and Jess had fish and chips, and they sat down at a table similar size to these tables, um, silver, stainless steel tables, and they sat down, and they've got their fish and chips, very small, so the rest of us just stood around, we're all chatting, eating our pasties, sun was shining, believe it or not, one of those days, it was beautiful. And all of a sudden, Totally unexpected. And you know how things can happen just out of the blue. Yeah? Things can come along which just... Anyway, a seagull. Right? A seagull. And I tell you, you didn't even see it drop its... Uh, sorry, drop its load. <laughs> but its load it dropped. While it came whistling down through the air. You could hear it. It's like, you know, one of those um, World War II bombs. And it went splat. But praise God, it went splat, about that big, with a, a humongous noise, right, right in the middle of the table, right? Wow. First thing these three did was get their fish and chips. Whoa. I said, that could have been worse, couldn't it? They said, yeah. I think it was Jess who said, thank God cows don't fly. LAUGHTER so you must all be thankful. We must all be thankful. We were thankful at that moment, at that moment in time, that cows didn't fly. Because if cows had flown, it would have covered the lot of us, wouldn't it? Now, trust me, we've all got something to be thankful for. You've just got to find what it is, you see. We're not to be worldly Christians. We're not to be selfish. It's not about us, you know. Whatever God has given us, okay, it's to be part of him. In 2 Corinthians, and I forget because I've written it down, but I always forget the numbers. But in, it talks about we were baptized, all of us, into one body. Yeah. So you are not your own. You're baptized to be part of one body. Now, something that makes God so happy is when he sees the body together. Psalm 133, often quoted, often mislived. Often quoted, often mislived. Yeah. When brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. When we come together. When we are the body. What does God do? He's so happy, he commands life and life evermore. He says, oh, I'm going to bless that. Yeah, because there they are. One voice together in unity. As I designed it, you see, God designed it to be a body. Um, there's a guy from Australia, you might have YouTubed him. I'm, I'm getting into YouTube and stuff like this. Vic Vojt uh, Nick Vojtic, no arms, no legs, no worries. Okay, he's got no arms, he's got no legs. And look at him, I'll tell you what, he's got no worries. I'll tell you what, I was humbled. Humbled, I thought, the things I moan about. The things I moan about in life. Okay, but why am I moaning? Because it's to do with me. 
And I'm not looking outside of myself. And I look at this man, okay, and when he was a boy, he was born with no arms and no legs. He's got, no joke, from the hip, he's got what he calls his chicken drumstick, right? But, and it's just like a foot with a few toes on it. And I tell you what, he can type to 43 minutes, uh, 43 words a minute on a standard keyboard. Why, how fantastic is that? What am am I worrying about? What am I moaning about? You know? Um, And when he was younger, he thought, what's my purpose in life? And and he did. He had thoughts of of suicide. But you know, that man is a Christian and he has found his purpose in God. And his life now is not about himself. Okay? It's not about himself. He goes out, he, he, well, he tours the world, but he goes into schools and he talks to kids. And he says to kids, he says, do you know the biggest lie, the biggest lie that you've got to live is you've got to do this all on your own. Yeah, that you've got to be a self-made person. You've got to be it on your own. He says it's a lie, an absolute lie. What we're meant to do is be part of something. You see, when God created the body, the body of Christ, he created something that he loved. Sometimes we call the body of Christ the bride of Christ. He marries us. He marries us. He's married to you. He's committed himself to you in holy matrimony. He is that joined to you. Yeah, He's decided to marry himself to you. And he wants us to be married to him. There's no greater joining, is there? It's absolutely, it's the most intimate thing that can happen. But this body is the body of Christ. And what he wants is for us to be joined. That makes him so happy. Now I've got a little, can I just ask you to do something before I do anything? Just shake somebody's hand, would you? Shake somebody's hand and tell them, hey, Jesus loves you. Hey, uh, I can tell you're lovely. Yeah, great. Now, in a minute, I'm going to tell you something that you are so grateful for. You're going to be so grateful for something. Can I have the first, the first little... Hopefully, you'll see what I was so grateful for. You are are so pleased that the hand you just shook was joined to an arm. You are so pleased that it was joined to an arm that was joined to a body that had a smile behind it. Because if that hand had tapped you on the shoulder and said, I want to shake you, what would you have done? You'd have done what I'd have done. Because it would have been freakish. It would have been freakish. Yeah? My daughter's getting embarrassed, but don't be too embarrassed. But you know, God has not designed a freak show. That hand is a member of a body. But it wants, what God has designed is that the hand, you and me, are attached to a body. He wants us to be attached part of a body. When you broke bread this morning, your hand did something for you. It put it into the mouth. That hand there, it's only concerned about its, its own journey, what it's doing in life. It's wandering around here and there. It's not part of something else. But you know when the hand feeds the rest of the body... The rest of the body does its nourishment. And do you know what happens to the hand? The hand gets fed as well. The hand grows. You grow. You, me, will never grow properly unless we're part of not just the body, the body of Christ. Unless we are in Christ and in Christ's body as God has designed it, we will never be what God has designed to be. We will be a freak show. We won't be fully what God 
wants us to be. God wants us to be attached. Yeah. Just, can you play just the second one? Yeah, number two. Go on, please. You can actually get this off the internet from shinyshack.com if you want one. Okay. But it's, it's so important that we are not part of God's freak show. Well, it's not God's freak show. You see, to the powers and principalities in heaven, we are, the, the body of Christ is God's wisdom to the powers and principalities in heaven. And we want to be attached. We want to show the powers and principalities, God's wisdom. He has invested in us his trust, his wisdom. And he wants us to, to show that off to the world, to be a shining light to him, to be part. So one thing that makes God so happy is to be part of God's family, part of God's body. That's what pleases God, do you know? Faith pleases God. Abraham, you know when Abraham, he worshipped God, didn't sing a song. <laughs> didn't sing a song, did he? He worshipped God. He went to kill his one and only son. Wow. Frightening, isn't it? Did that please God? Yeah, please God. But God stopped him from doing it just in time. Whoa, slow down, Abraham. But God thought that was so wonderful. He said he blessed Abraham and made him the father of all who would believe. He made Abraham a father after himself. The father God, yeah, what is it that pleases? Ask Ephesians tells us to find out what pleases God. Yeah. Worship, true worship, obedience to God's word pleases God. I can tell you what. Is anybody, you don't have to own up to this, have you ever watched EastEnders? <laughs> not a lot of people are owning up, are they? I do not watch EastEnders on a regular basis. Honest. <laughs> the preacher protested too much, I know. Okay. But when they have their Christmas do, in the Queen Vic, the table is always full up with the best affair, isn't it? It's, it's full. It's got the biggest turkey. It's got all the bottles of wine. It's got everything. Everything you could ever want. Except for peace. <laughs> it has no peace. You know, no peace whatsoever. And it always descends into, you did this and you did that. And, uh, and the turn get, table getting turned over. But what does it say in Proverbs? It says, hey, better, better a morsel. Sorry? Better with muesli. Yeah. Hey. Better a little than great feasting with strife. So what does God, what, what pleases God? Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. That our relationships are conducted in peace. Now our relationship has got to be given first to the Father and then to others. Once you've got a relationship with the Father, you'll have a relationship of peace. You'll have a relationship of righteousness Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Then you'll have relationships with others that are righteous and peaceful and joyful. Anybody ever come up to you and said, you're all right? And you say, yeah, I'm fine. And of course you're not. You know when you're at house with somebody. When I've had a bit of a tiff with my wife, and it has happened. Okay, okay yeah, give me... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But when I, whenever I've had a, a, like a tiff, tiff with my wife, and, uh, or I'm upset with my wife, and she doesn't know about it, and she says, are you okay? Yeah. And it's clear I'm not. You're not at peace, isn't it? Right? Because when you're not right, there's no peace. There's an order to God's relationship. And that's why he made us right with him. Yeah. When we're right with God... You can then have peace with God. You've got no peace with God when you're not right with him. And then joy can come. Righteousness, peace, joy. Yeah. 
Now, when Paul was writing in, um, in, in Corinthians about the, the, the generosity of the Macedonian church, yeah, he said they, they didn't do what we first expected, what we expected, but they gave themselves first to God. And then all things follow from that. When you give yourself first to the Father, heart of God, what, oh God, is it that pleases you? I want to be about God. What pleases you? I want to find out so much, Lord, what pleases you. I'm so grateful for what you've given me. I'm so grateful for your provision in my life. I'm so grateful for everything that you've done for me. I'm so grateful for the plans and the purposes of my life. But now, what is it that pleases you, God? What is, what is on your heart? What would put a smile on your face? Because let's face it, true relationship is never one way, is it? It's never one way. It's never one way. And if it is, it's, it's a selfish relationship. And as Christians, God's not, not, God's not born us again to be selfish, to, but to be generous. And that will please God, being generous. But being generous to give God glory. Being generous and mindful of God. Yeah. Being generous because God has been so generous to you and you know that you are being God-like. Yeah. That's, that's the important thing. What is it, oh God? in this situation that would please you so much. Then my, my heart went to the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son uh, in, in Luke there, 15. And when I read that, uh, again, and I don't know if you're if you like me, I've been a Christian like almost 25 years now, um, and I'm constantly finding more stuff out. You realize what you don't know, don't you? Yeah, you realize, I was talking to my, I said to uh, Emily, she came back from Liverpool Uni, I said, um, what have you learned this year? Being a first year student at the uni, I said, go on, Emily, tell me what you've learned. She went, um, um, I thought, what are we paying for? <laughs> what, what are we paying for? You know, she says, I've learned that there are known knowns, um, known unknowns, and unknown knowns. I said, you better explain that. <laughs> Uh, but you come to realize there's things that you don't know, yeah? You come to realize, and when, when you realize that, they, they become known unknowns, right? What is it that I don't know? You know about it, but you don't know it. And I've come to realize that I know God, but I don't know him fully, yeah? And I am constantly finding stuff out. But you know what that is? That's called relationship. It's called life. It's called being in relationship with God. I thought I knew my wife. 25 years, right? But you still don't know everything. And just as you talk and you chat together, you find out, oh, I didn't know that. But that's refreshing. Don't worry about that. You know, Mr. and Mrs. If, you, if, if me and Jill did Mr. and Mrs., we struggled to get three out of three, all right? <laughs> we really struggled to get three out of three. But we love each other. That's the main thing, isn't it? Because there comes a time in life when you forget more than you've ever known. <laughs> and if you're like me, I, there's stuff I just don't store. Or is that just all men? You know, just, you, you, the shelf, I call it shelf space. And it needs decluttering, yeah? And what I often know is I don't know, but I know how to find out, yeah? That's, the, that's a good thing, isn't it? See, you don't, you don't have to be top-heavy up here, you know what I mean? You can be, give yourself some thinking memory rather than it being overloaded and crammed with, with knowledge, but how to find out, yeah? Maya? And uh, by the way, if you want to insult me and say, men can't multitask, I'm happy with that. <laughs> Perfectly happy with not being able to multitask. That means I just do one thing at a time. I'm really happy. So when I'm drinking my tea, people say, and you do, I'm sorry, I'm drinking my tea. And so I'm happy with that. But what is it that pleases God? And my, my mind went to the parable of the, uh, the lost son, the prodigal son. And of course, prodigal means wasteful living. Extravagantly wasteful. And that's what this son was. Give me what's mine and I want it now. Okay? He was a son of the father. 
He was the son of the father, but he wanted what he wanted, and he wanted it now. He wanted his inheritance, he wanted his future, he wanted it all now. It's kind of carnal living, carnal Christianity. What can God do for me? What can, it's all about me, God. You're my God, and when I need you, it's like having your wallet loaded. And whenever you need it, you get your wallet out, and you know there's enough in there. Okay, But it's all about that wallet serving you. And, and a lot of people live like that. It, it, ever, ever, ever got there um, is neither here nor there. It's there, and, it, and, and it, it provides for you. Now, God is our provider. Yeah. He is such a wonderful provider. But if you only ever know him as provider, then there's more. What I'm saying is there's more to find out. There's somebody there who is so loving and so wonderful. So I read this uh, um, again, and this son just reminded me of being so carnal, of, of God just meeting my needs. Okay, God, well done, you've turned up again. You're fantastic, God, you've done it again. Um, and obviously, he went off, this son, and he did what he did. He lived prodigally. He lived just so wastefully. Everything he had, he thought it would last forever. And we do. When you're in times of blessing, you think times of blessing are just going to carry on forever. It's never going to run out. But such is life. That sometimes life turns up unexpected things, and there was a famine in the land. And this lad, this lad had spent everything that he'd got, and he was in famine too. He was in famine too. And it said that he, he started to, to, to feed the pigs. Uh, got a job feeding the pigs and, and, he, and he wanted to even eat what the pigs. And, and he was in want. Some versions of the Bible say, and he was in want. I, I don't know about you, but my, I, I, as I was reading it again, I thought, oh my God. If the Lord is your shepherd, if you're in relationship if you're close to the Father, Psalm 23 says, you won't be in want. You just won't be in want. Everything that you need. So this, this wasteful living, this selfish living, never cuts it. You never really are truly satisfied. It's being close to the Father that will satisfy. When the Lord is your shepherd, when you're close to the Father's heart, you'll never be in want. So here he is, he's in want, and he thinks, well, I've got one chance. I'll go back to my dad, and, and I'll, basically I'll repent. Yeah, I'll repent. And so he goes back and uh, sees his father. But what's his father doing? Now, what pleases the father? What, oh God, what please? Do you know, you get the picture that the father was looking out every day for the return of the son. You just get that feeling, don't you? And in fact, he is. When you look at the other parts of scripture, if we take the father as, as being God, of course, right, the parent, you, you know that God is looking at, he's doing everything within his heart to turn the lost to him, to turn those who once were with him, who have moved away, want those who seem close, but you know you're distant. Where is God in my life? I just seem so far away. He's doing everything within his power to turn around. And he's looking out for you. But he wants you to run towards him. He wants you. The Bible says that if you run towards God, he will run towards you. He has put enough in you for you to just run to him. Dad! Mark said this morning, Daddy God, Dad, Dad. And that's who he is, you know. He's our dad. And this dad was looking out. Wow. Right then, son, where have you been? No, he didn't do that. Wow, you're back. Right? Ring on his finger, the robe, the sandals, the fatted calf. Do you know, I, I, I went running this morning. Right, I ran up and I ran about around Hyde Park. And... Uh, it's bigger than you think, Hyde Park, isn't it? When you're running around it, I tell you. And then as I got a bit further around, I thought, I've already been here. I'm lost. Do you know, I did. I, my first thought was, oh, I'm a bit lost. And as I'm running, I'm thinking, do you know, a big smile came on my face. And it was as if God said to me, you're with me. You're never lost. 
I thought, oh God, do you know, God is so generous, isn't he? He's so generous to us. And I've got this little thing, I'm never last. You know, I don't worry about things like that because I knew I was in England. <laughs> so, uh, I wasn't that last, was I? And I knew I was in Leeds and I knew I was in the Hyde Park area and I just, uh, and but, but God said to me, you're with me, you're never lost. You're never lost. I'm your shepherd, I'll give you direction. And I thought, oh, big smile. Hey, God's great. I actually shouted, hey, God, you're so great as I'm running along. Fantastic. Um, but, and it made God, just this smile on my face when I realized, God, that father, he was so extravagant on the return of his son. He could have castigated his son. Ah, you've been so wasteful. Well, now, now you've hit hard times. Yeah, you're coming back now, aren't you? I knew you would. As soon as you hit hard times, you come back to my generosity, ain't you? You knew I'd... Re- yeah, because that's just what fathers do. But oh no. Oh no. And that's what our father is like. This is what pleases our father. When what was lost comes back. I tell you, I lost Jess once on a French beach. My heart pounded. Lost her for over an hour, right? Over an hour. I was, I mean, most of it was my own fault. I'd, we'd, gone to the, we'd gone to the water's edge, and I sent her back up to her mum because I wanted to stay into a swim. Responsible parent. <laughs> but I said, at the top of French beaches, they got flags up, and you say, well, walk to that flag. So... She, I'm not blaming her, but she looked down and then got disorientated. And, and when I got back after about half an hour, Jill says to me, where's Jess? I said, I don't know, she's with you. Stop pulling my leg. Now she says, and I'm thinking, oh, that's half an hour ago. Well, up the beach, down the beach, down to the water's edge, up onto the road. Yeah, and I'm thinking, oh, goodness me. And I'm going round and round and round. And then finally, I think, there was this little hut with, like, you know, lifeguards in. And... <laughs> And I thought, well, if I haven't found her on the next round, I'll go in there and ask them. Well, she was in there all along. <laughs> so I missed my opportunity. But when I came round again, I went in and I'm practicing. Um, j'ai perdu mon petit feet. Uh, so I'm coming, I have lost my daughter, you know? And I'm trying my best, my best. So I'm, j'ai perdu, you know? So I'm going, so as soon as I go in, Jess is there, you know, crying her eyes out. And, and I'm there. Ah, oh, but that, that hug, that hug. And it wasn't even in my mind to say, oh, silly girl, why didn't you do what I said? No, 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 no. I was just so pleased, so pleased that you cannot describe it, that that which was lost was now found. That's what pleases the Father. Do you know, he does everything within his power to find that which was lost. And he, it, this is what put the smile on my face, you know. As extravagantly wasteful as that son had been, the father outdid him. The father outdid him. He was as extravagantly generous to him. <sighs> but then you've got this other son, haven't you? This other son, in my mind, went to the elder son. And he came in from the fields and he said to the servants, he said, what's going on here? This party's going on. Now, the elder son lost it for a minute, didn't he? Now, I don't know about you, but this is the revelation I got recently. I feel that we've done the elder son, done him badly over the years. Personally, I've only ever heard it, do not be like the elder son. And in certain circumstances, I'm going to say, don't be like the elder son. But in others, I'm going to say, please be like the elder son. Because the elder son came in from the fields. He came in from his father's business. All those years, the elder son toiled and labored about his father's purposes. He was in the field. Yeah. The Bible says, the Lord says, he says, look, the fields are ripe under, under harvest. Ask the Lord of the harvest for workers 
right? Which is always a dangerous ask, because the first thing he does is say, right, go on then. <laughs> as soon as you ask, he'll send you. But do you know you'll be responding to the Father's heart? There are people out there who need to be found. And if you are willing to be a harvester, if you are willing to be a savior, if you are willing to be like the Son of God, to go and seek and save that which was lost, then you'll be about the Father's business, carrying out the Father's heart. And that's what the eldest son had been doing all those years. He'd stayed faithful to the Father's heart. He'd been sowing. He'd been tending. He'd been reaping. The eldest son needs commending. He really needs commending. He lost it for a minute, but who amongst us hasn't lost it? I've lost it. I lose it regularly. Calm down, Jim Martin. Calm down, says Jill. I shout at the telly. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Grumpy old man. But I shout at the telly. I mean, short-sighted politicians. What about question time? And recently a politician said, I'm a teacher, by the way. Teacher, teachers don't generate any wealth, do they? Ah! What do teachers do? Teachers make prime ministers. We do. We make prime ministers. We make engineers. We make IT consultants. Yeah. We do. That's what, that's what we do. We're part of making people who they are. Yeah. Praise God. You've got to see the bigger picture here. Everything that you're about is greater than yourself. When you give yourself to the Father's purpose, it's always greater than yourself. It's always greater than yourself. Because it's not about you anymore. It's about the purposes of God. The man who was making the cathedral, who was just doing the carvings of the gargoyles, he says, what are you doing? He says, I am making a cathedral. That's what he said. I am making a cathedral. Because he saw the bigger picture. And everything that you do that carries out the Father heart of God, brings about the kingdom of God. That's exactly what it does. So the relationship with the Father is so important. This eldest son, all those years, had been about his father's business. What's, that? What's this going on here then? What's this going on here? He got angry. He lost it. He did. Let's face it. I'll forgive him for that. <laughs> but what did the father do? The father didn't even get angry with him, did he? The father's heart. Come on. Come on, son. This, this other brother of yours. This other brother of yours. The, he, was, he was lost, but now he's found. He's dead, but now he's alive. He's come back to my heart. And he said to the son, such an important thing, which I do believe is something. And it so spoke to me about my work with God. Because if you're like me, you can be so busy about the purposes of God. Yeah. You can be so busy about the purposes of God. But he said to the son, the father said to the son, he said, he said but my son, and he was very gentle with his son. He says, my son, he says, everything I have is yours. Well, I, I wanted to weep when I read that because everything, everything, God has got is ours. It is ours. We don't have to wait until we die for our inheritance. God says it's yours now. Peace, joy, healing, material things that we need. It is ours. Everything I have is yours, not will be, is yours. And all, right, these years, all these years, he said, you've been with me. And I kind of wanted to cry because I've spent the last 25 years with God. And it is only more recently, I would say, I'm starting to say, God, I want to be mindful of you. Not just your purposes, 
For that son had been about his father's purpose, and I want to commend him for that. And if you have been a servant who has never strayed away from God, I want to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You need commending. You need commending because you have been at it, toiling and toiling all those years. Okay? Keep on going. Right? Because the Bible says, God says that all hard work brings profit. Even if you don't see it straight away. All your hard work in the name of God will bring profit. Okay? It will. And you just got to trust God on that. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. We can experience the provision of God and say how wonderful he is. And God is such an extravagant giver. Extravagant. As extravagant as that son was wasteful, God is more extravagant in his forgiveness and his mercy. But then the thing that I believe that the eldest son had not grasped, because he said, well, why didn't you throw me a party? was to appreciate the presence of the Father. It's been about his purposes. He knew his provision, but the presence of the Father. And God wants us to experience his presence. And I'm not on just about the time, the quiet time, that we take ourselves away. The quiet time's good. Have quiet time with God. But be mindful when you're walking to work that you're living under an open heaven. Yeah? That when you go to work, that you are, you are in, the, in the presence of God. We sang a song this morning. I just thought, yeah. Do you know, in, in his presence, we don't have any fears. Best place to live is in his presence. Then you don't have any fears. Yeah. The mountains melt like wax. In the presence of the Lord. Yeah? So when you're in the presence of the Lord, they're not mountains, they're just things to overcome in life. Yeah? And you can't be an overcomer without something to overcome. And that's part of who we are. But being in the presence of God. God, what is it that's going to please you today? As you're walking to work, you're listening to the birds sing, and you're thinking, yeah, God, you're in that bird. All right? Open heaven, you're in me, God. I sometimes walk to work saying, God, I need your help today. And it's not that I don't need it every day. But sometimes when you're thinking, oh, I know what I'm going to face today. God, but I tell you what, me and you, Jesus, we can do this, can't we? Come on, let's be together in this, Lord. And I often go into work and people say, what are you on? Yeah, you're on what God is on. My wife, she's not so demonstrative as myself. And her teaching practice years ago, because she's a teacher, birds of a feather flock together, don't they? Um, and she was in a horrible school down in Bedworth, and she would cry. I tell you, train station, right? Sunday, when we're leaving, Sunday night, it was one of those, oh, oh, Kathy, don't leave me, no. Um, <laughs> she's called Jill. Um, but she would cry, not because not she was leaving me, because of the thought of going into that school in the morning. But when she left, the teacher said to her, do you know, you always came in so joyful. You were always so happy. And she was just such a, a wonderful witness of God because she lives in the presence of God. And I want us to be that, those people who are mindful of not just what we've got to do for God, not just what God can do for us, but mindful of Him. Do you know, He's the lover of our souls. He's the lover of our souls. Do you know he has feelings? What is it that, that makes him cry? What is it that makes him smile? And I want us to be a people who are so mindful of God that we're about making him smile. That's what you want to do for a friend, isn't it? That's what you want to do for the the best dad in the world. You want to put a smile on his face. And if I can encourage you this morning to, to be so close to the Father, to have a heart that just so wants to please him, I will guarantee you a million times over that you will be pleased anyway. Right? 
The Bible only ever says if you lose your life for the sake of God, you'll gain it. If you try and gain it for yourself, you just lose it. Because that's the way that God works. But be so mindful, so in the presence of God, so loving Him. When you're in that position, do you know, your life will work. God works. And you'll find that you, your life is just so enriched because you will be in God, in relationship with Him. And He'll be in relationship with you. And all those years, that's what the elder brother, I believe, kind of missed out on. The fact that he'd been, he'd been with him and about, about his father's purposes, but he'd missed out on the, the presence of the father, the relationship with the father. And my encouragement is to you is that if you've been away from God, now is the time to return. If you're in the purposes of God and you're busy, Make sure you're not so busy for the relationship with the Father. Find out what pleases Him and you'll be so pleased yourself because your heart will become His heart and His heart will be your heart and you will be one with the Father. Father, I just want to say thank you that you are such an extravagant God, extravagantly good extravagantly wonderful, extravagantly merciful and beautiful, extravagantly loving, extravagantly forgiving, extravagantly providing for all our needs. Lord, I pray right now for, for people here, for those who have been away from, from you and your purposes. Lord, that will be today with the, the day that we return and come back and feel that hug, feel that cloak around the, around the, around the shoulders, the ring on the finger, oh, the, the sandals on the feet and the, the fatted calf, the, the party that is going on in your heart, God. Lord, enable us to help people to come to that position. Father, if we've been the people who, who are so busy about your purposes, uh, yes, we're, we're living in your presence, but... We're not mindful of who you are and enjoying that relationship. I say, Lord, just open our minds. Open our hearts, Lord God, that we would enjoy, enjoy our relationship. Enjoy being about your purposes. Oh, refresh our spirits, oh God, that we would live in you. In Jesus' name, amen.